0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly Fix. I'm your host, Zane. And I'm Jacob. uh, this week we have a really fun episode before you. We got a lot to talk about. We uh, we just experienced Loki episode five this uh, this week, uh, Invincible season two episode one, and at the end of the show we're going to uh, go ahead and rank our top five car movies for us, um, and then we got some extra questions at the end to get to know us. So I'm really excited for this episode. Um, Let's go ahead and kick off this episode talking about Loki. Uh, Jacob, what did you think about episode five?
1: Another absolutely fantastic episode. I couldn't be more pleased with the direction the show is going. I feel like every episode I'm on the edge of my seat. I mean, we've talked about it countless times. I don't feel like they've done anything wrong with this entire show. Um, They really potentially gave us some huge things for the MCU moving forward with Loki seeming, seemingly figuring out how to control his time slipping. Um, I, I just, that whole scene at the very end of the episode was amazing. I am super excited to dive into it some more. I know you've got some good stuff to talk about as well. Um, I just thought it was great. I thought it was another fantastic episode. Um, and I just, I'm dying for this season finale. Yeah,
0: honestly, like, I was really excited after episode four, because, you know, one of the best cliffhangers we've ever gotten. Um, outside of Infinity War um, in the MCU was episode 4 with the loom exploding and we, we had some, some tossed around theories of where that would go. Um, I didn't really see this exactly coming. Um, I like what they did with it. I don't have any complaints at all and I really... Uh, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, I thought it was one of the most heartfelt episodes and best, well, like best directed episodes of Marvel TV we've seen. Um, with absolute incredible scenes that are just visually stunning, uh, captured perfectly and in, in several ways, and then just um, absolutely crucial to the story of the plot. And there was not a wasted moment in this episode. It all was building towards the final. Um, the final uh breakdown and you know control of his time slipping, which I absolutely loved what did you uh what do you think about the uh the the story that we got from the loom are you are you satisfied with with what they did sending everyone back to their branch timelines
1: i I think I am I think that was probably the most smart way to go about it without adding I don't think the show is confusing. Let me just say that first. I feel like that was probably the simplest way to go about this to make sure the show doesn't get to a point where it is confusing. So I think that was a really great way of attacking that kind of big idea that they had because there are so many things that they could have done with that. I think that one makes the most sense. Um, I like that Loki didn't go anywhere because he really doesn't have a timeline anymore. So that part made sense to me. I like that. I'm glad they didn't just throw him back somewhere or anything like that. I love the idea of him having to go back and kind of get his whole crew back together. I love the idea of him having to convince these people that don't even remember the TVA anymore that they were members of the TVA. I think they did a really good job doing that and not making it confusing. Okay, so
0: you said you said Loki doesn't have anywhere anymore, um, and that's super interesting since we are in a multiversal saga, and there's uh, you know. So many um, branch timelines that Loki is a part of. Why didn't he get sent anywhere? I, I have a theory. Uh, I wanted to know if you had thought about that because, uh, you know, he doesn't have a timeline, but all of time exists, right? He could have got sent anywhere before that, correct?
1: Yeah, it seems like in the, we, that theory is more confirmed by everywhere that everyone else got sent. They didn't get sent to the same time. You know, we saw. We were talking about it right before this episode. There's a bunch of different years that people got sent to. Uh, But to answer your question, I feel like it seemed like everyone kind of got sent home. And it kind of seemed like Loki's home is now the TVA. That is what he is here to do. He is here to take care of the TVA. Um, And I feel like that's kind of the way they were pushing it. I could be wrong there. But it did seem like everyone got sent home in a way back to where they were originally from. Um, You know, obviously, there's multiple versions of all these people out there. But it seemed like maybe this is where these people got plucked from whenever Kang chose them to come work for the TVA. And it just seems like Loki's home might now be the TVA. Okay.
0: Okay, I so I absolutely love that take. Um, I personally also have a take. So in our second episode of the podcast, we got to talk about Loki episode one, um, and you know we were in all of the thing, but we did mention we were like, why did they introduce time slipping? Like it was a it wasn't a, like a necessarily needed thing to introduce. Um, they solved it in one episode. Um, like why did they spend their time with it? And my theory now. Is that because they had to pull his temporal aura from the time streams, he doesn't have one anymore. And that's why he didn't get sent anywhere, because his temporal aura was pulled from the time stream in episode one of season two. And without that fix, I think he might have just went back to his regular time stream.
1: That makes sense. That's kind of like what I was kind of beating around the bush about. You said it in a better way about him not really having a timeline anymore. That's the exact scene I was thinking about is when they did pull his aura out. That's kind of where I was going. Um, Yeah, I just I just think that that's probably the most logical way. Now, we could see in episode six, they might maybe expound on why that is the case, why he didn't go anywhere. Um, But I feel like maybe they kind of laid that out enough for us that they don't need to explore it. But I think it might be beneficial for some people that are having a little bit harder of a time understanding if they wanted to expound on that they could.
0: Yeah, I I uh I agree with that. I do like the fact that it seems like they um thought of it though, right? That that they um from from my point of like point of view, it looks like there's a logical reason um in this season why. I don't think that's a far jump, right? You said there's not really a home and we kind of really got to see that from episode 1 um In this season. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, we talked about Ahsoka and how I really wanted more with the um, world between worlds because I felt like like it's not explored well. Um, And I feel like this is actually like they gave us enough to have a good working theory that makes complete sense without adding, you know, complete own speculation into it, which I think is a really good quality.
1: Yeah, they did a good job. Not like they kind of gave us what they were wanting without directly telling us. Exactly. You know, we understand it, but it does. The nice thing about that, from a writer standpoint, it does give them so much flexibility if they do want to change something in the future. Because you know, just because what we think they're giving us is what it is, it might not actually be what they're going for. Which I yeah. think this show is what makes it so fun. Is you're kind of on your the edge of your seat the whole time, trying to read what the, they're trying to tell you. I just think that's probably been one of the best parts of the whole show is just kind of trying to get where they're coming from. well not like
0: that's exactly right. What I was feeling that entire episode was man i was I was loving the journey we were getting taken on, and it was really fun. But I was like, man, what like this has to be f- going to a conclusion, and if this episode is going and finding everyone, like i I feel like there's got to be more to it, and boy, did it pay off in that last scene?
1: Oh, it. Honestly, I can't think of many more ending scenes that have ever been better in Marvel. Sure, there's your your Infinity Wars and stuff like that, but just the like emotional roller coaster you go on for probably the last five minutes of that episode is just the payoff is unbelievable. And we so, don't even know what's so like, good. Yeah, we don't even know. We still have another episode left. Just the way oh, that man. one ended, I was like, oh boy. Like I literally texted you right after. I was like dude what is happening again i feel like we've had that same response after every episode but (laughs) yeah
0: it's been so it's been such a good a good show so so good um and man it's such a man the payoff um what so is there one so obviously other than the last scene which which we'll get to later was there a specific scene in this episode for you that you were like man is this show good Um, I have one that I'm thinking of, and I was curious if you had one that you were like, that was just one of the best scenes ever.
1: Well, I already know probably the scene you're speaking of is going to be Sylvie in the vinyl record shop. Yep. I I think that was just unbelievable. The way they directed it, the camera angles we were getting, everything just kind of falling apart. Incredible. (sighs) Absolutely incredible work that they did with that scene. Um, And they've had a lot of scenes like that, I feel like. There's been a lot of scenes in this show in particular where you're like, wow, that was really good. You know, we go back to the previous episodes where we see, um, you know, just like the Miss Minutes stuff. And we don't see that one um, group getting actually killed, but we kind of get what they're implying. Stuff like that has just been really good. And then we finally kind of got to see a flip of actually seeing what's unfolding on the other side of the camera. And I think that scene in particular was amazing. Oh, yeah.
0: I. I couldn't agree anymore. It was absolute masterclass in suspense, in uh, anticipation, in um, subtle hint making, in camera framing, in uh, special effects. Like we're getting this. Like, this is the level of special effects that we need from TV shows that are going to be of this caliber. Um, One of my biggest problems with Falcon and the Winter Soldier is there are special effects in that that take me completely out of the show that are so bad, I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore because that looks like I'm watching a CW show, and this is, you know, (laughs) I know the budget of this was $200 million. That's insane. Um, And this show does not have that problem. 100%
1: and for a company like Marvel there is no excuse there should never be an excuse as to why we are left with lackluster effects there just shouldn't be and I feel like we're really kind of seeing things get back on track with this show we have talked about it a bunch um you know we've been enjoying the MCU this entire time we've seen a lot of people saying oh it's dead oh it's back alive again you know whatever (laughs) I've we've agreed that it's been great this entire time there's stuff in all these movies that you can appreciate and enjoy but this show just really kind of feels like we're getting back to like the you know the MCU when it started it just got that yeah. excitement back it looks visually pleasing and yeah that scene it, it just kind of felt like we were we're back you know I don't think we ever really left anywhere but it just kind of set you back into that like whoa what that was just cool to see
0: yeah it gave you it gave you such a like a uh, feeling of despair. And, like, getting to see her emotions where she, like, she had finally got everything she had ever worked for. And then to see it all slip away in front of her, uh, that way, listening to a record, um, with the, the camera spin, and then the, you know, the man disappearing, the drink disappearing, the, the, the i think it's coffee coffee disappearing um and then everything disappearing oh man it's so good and before that when she walked out of mcdonald's uh with her food disappearing um one thing my wife caught that i didn't catch was in the mirror of the truck uh you can see the bag disappear completely so you see it start and then you see it disappear but if you look in the mirror the side mirror of the truck they took the time to put Put it in the side mirror of the truck. The bag disappear, and that was like such an awesome detail that I I completely missed. She was like, actually, she was like, hey, back that up, back that up. Um, uh, watch the mirror, and you could see the bag disappear. And I was like, man, what what great attention to detail we're getting in the show.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things. They don't have to do that, right? I mean, that's such a subtle thing. No, I don't think anyone would have complained if that wasn't a thing. But the fact they're taking that extra step to like, hey, you can see it disappear right here. That's really cool. Um, and, you know, we talked about Sylvie finally getting everything she wanted. I am so happy that her world finally came crashing down on her. Because yes, it was getting so annoying. She's been being told since episode one. Hey, we got to fix this. Things are happening. It's going to all fall, fall apart. And she's been off in this fairy tale world, you know, just happy to be doing whatever she wants to do. And I was so thankful when she finally showed back up for Loki, like, hey, my my world is gone. It's like, finally, she's understanding what Loki has been trying to tell her. I was so happy with that, because as much as I love her as a character, she has been very frustrating to watch this entire (laughs) season with her whole, oh, I'm just going to kill all the Kangs, or I don't care about the TVA, when really the TVA is not bad. You know, there are people that are trying to save lives, and they've really stressed that this whole season. So thank goodness we have finally seen her maybe come back to reality. But I'm also interested to see how this time-slipping's gonna work, because assuming Loki went back to right before the Temporal Aura exploded, she's not gonna remember any of that happening. Nope. So is she gonna be back on her high horse of not caring what's going on? Um, I sure hope not, but I assume that's probably what it's gonna be. Um, but just finally, her realization of it was such a payoff for me, because I was like, she's fi- she's gotta eventually realize that this is not good. Yeah,
0: she has to. Um, and <laughs> like you said i've been annoyed with her since she kicked loki through that door man um in the season finale of of episode uh uh season finale of season one like man you gotta you gotta put that stuff aside for the greater good your ego your your narcissism like i understand he took everything from you but uh you're about to destroy everything which she did she this is all her fault so yep
1: which I feel like it's not really been talked about enough. I feel like no. that needs to be more of a driving point. And I guess really in the grand scheme of things. It don't matter right. Because what's done is done. But yeah just finally seeing her. Realize that maybe she, what she did was wrong. Again probably that's the only time. We'll get to see that aspect of her. But th- what's good about that is that is Loki. That is what a Loki variant is. You know. We're yeah do... we're
0: seeing. We're seeing yeah, the we're gonna one see... variant. Yes. That is like has come to grips with himself no other grade has done that no other one has has been able to um come to grips with that except for maybe old loki um old loki understood and and honestly we're seeing so uh the scene at the bar when he when she's challenging him and challenging him like hey like why why do you want the tva um it's even, we even see his narcissism there. It's not that he wants to save the day, and we've talked about this. He's not a good guy yet. He's not a good guy. But he wants to save the TVA because he personally misses his friends. He misses his friends. And I, like, man, that moment was so good. And we get to see, like, Loki actually understand that, like, living this life alone isn't the way. Um, and, and, Power isn't the way, but actually, it's the people and the relationships that you build that matter. And what a message to send! And and what a uh, what a moment for him of realization, even to himself. Like he, did, I don't think he truly believed it, but then when he verbalized it out out loud, he really understood, which actually led to him being able to control his time slipping.
1: Well, I mean, even putting a different spin on it, is that really even a selfish thing? Sure, you can say, you know, he wanted it for his friends and himself wanting to take care of and protect your friends i think that's a very selfless thing also you know so sure there is some of that selfishness built into there but it still kind of drives home the point that loki is trying to help people which is not something we've ever seen from loki he he does maybe it is for a selfish reason or maybe he, he wants to have people in his life you know so be it he still is wanting to help people so they they really are walking that tightrope which i think is really great for a character like loki because sylvie is not she is a hundred percent wanting to do what she wants to do, and there's no way you can spin it the other way. Whereas Loki, yeah, sure, maybe you can say you know he did want it for himself; he was being selfish that he wanted his friends, but he still is showing that he does care about other people other than himself, which is a big stepping stone for a Loki. Yeah, absolutely,
0: and and it, I think I think there was quite a bit of a selfishness in there as uh, as he came to the realization after sylvie wasn't going to help to send everyone back like he uh he he didn't really understand like hey is everything as bad as it is like like is it gonna tear apart like i don't i don't know that um i i just took you guys because that was my own feelings and now just go back to your lives after you know that the TVA exists did
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think yeah it was it was just like a like we've talked about cool episode, um really kind of gives some backstory, which again, the backstory for these characters in particular really doesn't matter in my opinion because when they're in the t v a they didn't remember any of that. So we had not been exposed to any of it. um but it was just cool kind of seeing what their lives were um rather than what they have been, which I can appreciate. Um there's a lot of cool little parallels I feel like throughout the episode, um you know, with Mobius having two sons kind of indicative of. Loki and Thor. I thought I've seen a lot of people talking about them, kind of being you know okay. representation of his his him and his brother. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, you, you see Loki running away, one of Mobius' kids run away, and he says, "Hey, go get your brother." Kind of what Thor would do for Loki in a sense. Um, stuff like that was really cool to see throughout the episode. That is pretty neat. Uh,
0: speaking of backstories, let's let's go ahead and dive deep into uh, some of the little Easter eggs that I, that I I kind of found. Um, and just I love like looking at um what we can find so in episode in season one um do you remember who um loki impersonated um on the timeline they showed him in the time theater um he was a famous bank uh famous robber uh do you remember who that was
1: i i know who it is his name is literally slipping my mind right now though um oh what is his name you can go ahead and tell me because i'm Uh. not going to remember it
0: uh, D.B. Cooper. Yes, um, We saw Loki was actually D.B. Cooper. He hijacked the plane, stole the money, and then Heimdall ripped him out of the sky, and that's why D.B. Cooper was never found. Well, uh, we got another Easter egg, um, this, this uh, along the exact same lines, uh, in Casey. Casey's actual name was Frank, and uh, Frank Morris is a person who lived in 1962 who escaped from Alcatraz and uh by boat and was never found again yep, yep. um they believe he was they believe he was drowned in the in the uh, in the bay there but uh, a pretty cool little easter egg that they gave him like actually a famous backstory um that he was a real person uh, and then he got pulled and we see that that he was trying to rob everything you know he's not a good person at all um and so cool to just get a little backstory a little Easter egg there um that they didn't spell out you know you just be like, man, you know you have to know that story to to kind of connect those dots um My heart kind of sank when we saw two thousand and twelve pop up on yep. the screen. I yep. was like, man, are we gonna see you know is is b b fifteen gonna get like hit by uh you know <laughs> one of loki's uh goons uh during the attack on New York, um, but kind of cool to see that she was in New York at the time that Loki attacked. That's pretty cool.
1: Very cool. And that whole scene you're waiting for when she's helping the little girl with her cast, you're waiting for her to say something along the lines of the war or something like that, and nope, she just fell out of a tree. You know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, we don't know if it happened before or after, but cool to see that she lived through that. Um yep. even though she doesn't remember it throughout the entire show. I didn't really have anything significant about Obi's timeline. Um I did love everything that he did. Um I think he solidified as top three character in the show um <laughs> after after this season. I every time he's on, I'm smiling. Every time he, he's doing something like I'm never it's always perfect delivery. It's the comedy always lands. He is absolutely killing it as, as Obi and uh just man, so good to see just him be this super intelligent sci fi writer, PhD, uh, you know, Caltech um professor. That's pretty awesome to see. And, and well, you touch no good.
1: No, you go ahead, you go ahead.
0: I was I was gonna go ahead and skip on to, to Mobius, but if you had something to say about um ob well, go ahead the thing
1: i'm seeing a lot of is we're talking about ob right i don't know if you saw or saw any breakdowns of the episode or anything like that or you know maybe caught it on your watch of the episode did you notice on his board that he had up in his we'll just call it his house his office that big building that he was living in all the sticky notes that were attached to that board and a lot of things that were written on some of those sticky notes were kind of indicative of what could be coming and what has already happened. And I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, maybe OB is not as good as, you know, we've thought he is. Maybe he's got some villainous things about him. And I don't know if you've seen any of those theories or you've seen any of those sticky notes, Uh, but what, what would you think about something like that if they took OB and turned him maybe into one of Kang's people, one of the people that worked very closely with Kang?
0: Um... I I haven't seen that. I did see the sticky notes. Um, I didn't zoom in to read any of them except for the one in the middle, um, which said um, who, why, when, where, how, Um, and he had circled who. Um, I did see that one, but I didn't see any of the other ones. Um, There were
1: some other ones that said stuff like sacrifice. Um, just some little things like that. I don't mm. know. I feel like there could be a bigger story here. Maybe it was just something they put in there just to throw people off, you know, for those people that really are paying super close attention to that stuff.
0: Breaking down I, every frame.
1: Yeah, exactly. Some of that stuff. Cause you know, some writers I'm sure. And some directors have some fun with that stuff. Like, Oh, let's throw something in here. Cause we know someone's going to make a video on it and it'll just get them completely going on the wrong course. But how would you feel about something like that? If Obi really kind of has been, you know, part of Kang's little workforce maybe he's been talking to Kang throughout this whole process and stuff like that
0: uh I wouldn't feel good about that (laughs) I uh I like Obi um I I don't want him to be a a, a villain um I'm fine with him being the uh the wheels the uh the engine behind the TVA the Uh one who actually is you know riding and putting this stuff to works um and you know (laughs) Uh, once again, you know, he, his own knowledge allowed him to create the, the first time, you know, Tim pad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm fine with that aspect of it. If he's, you know, communicating with Kang or like he found Kang before he went and got Loki, um, I wouldn't love that.
1: I think it would be definitely just an interesting thing to see because they've really kind of built Obi up to be a very important character. Extremely smart in the whole, it keeps coming back to me, you know, the, the snake eating its own tail. Feels like him and Kang have a very close relationship in a way that they don't even realize, or maybe it's just something they're trying to portray to us that they don't realize it. But they obviously are maybe in cahoots with each other. I don't know. I think it's a fun little theory to talk about because I feel like it could it would just kind of make sense. You know, Obi's kind of had the smarts for everything so far. He's known how to do absolutely everything. There's not been something they've asked him that he's really not been able to do, besides the one time Victor Timely came with his little device that would actually help the temporal loom. But again, that would kind of make more sense because if Kang is the head honcho, maybe he is feeding um, Obi all these little secrets that other people might not realize.
0: I mean, that's definitely a theory. I hope that's not true. <laughs>
1: I think we've all come to you know I keep seeing people talk about Obi trying to sell his book and everyone's like I'd buy your book Obi he's yeah. got like that you know you love him but I think it could be pretty fun and interesting if they were to go a route like that
0: it would definitely be interesting I I don't know uh I don't know man I hope not I I uh I'm team Obi I want I want right. Obi to be a good guy <laughs> um but if they do man they better pay it off well They better. They better. They better show it good. That's all I got. (laughs) That's all I request. I'm okay. I'm okay with you know not the best of things. You know, Um, everything doesn't have to be uh, a happy ending, or you know, everyone doesn't have to be good. But uh, you got to tell it good. You got to tell it well.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: So the last thing I have, um, and you touched on on Mobius with his two sons. Um, That year was 2022, um, which we know the blip happened in 2018 and no one came back until 2023 um so my running theory is that his wife got snapped away
1: that's a good theory i hadn't thought about that i really hadn't even thought about his wife at all i kind of you know just thought maybe they were split up something like that that's kind of the first thing that came to my mind but that would make a ton of sense and i kind of like that idea because it would if we get to see mobius kind of figure that out that would be a really interesting thing to run with
0: and i think i think yes but also i think it gives lin like more credence to the fact that he would leave uh you know his wife just up and left um got snapped away you know his entire world and you know he's he's trying to figure it out with his kids and you know um leaving the kids behind doesn't you know as a parent i could never do that um unless it was to protect them, which I love, like, that they kept pulling that, like, hey, you have to come so that your kids can, can have a life, um, you know, you saw him ignoring calls, and, and maybe, you know, he's, he's dealing with things, but I, I do like the fact that maybe, um, he's going through some really hard times, um, with, with his, no matter what single parenthood is not the way, um, any, you know, guy can make anything of any situation, but, um, Doing it alone is is incredibly difficult, Um, and I don't uh, I don't see him as being, uh, you know, he's kind of come to grips with it after four years, but you know that's still gone. Um, so I like I like that theory rather than you know her just up and leaving him.
1: Well, I know they do have that one scene where they talk about when he takes him into the garage and he has two jet skis. I believe. He does mention something about his wife in that scene, doesn't he? I don't remember what he says. Uh, that would be something I might need to go back and check. Yeah, maybe like he says something... something
0: like his wife doesn't isn't around to yeah, ride anymore.
1: Implying, yeah, she's not there to ride anymore. But I feel I don't know if they he said they split up. I don't know if he said she's just gone. Um, that might be something, though, to check back on for something like that. Because I don't remember, unless you do remember, and that's why you, you believe the blip thing.
0: I don't, I just, I love, I felt like every year was significant. I think the 1962 was for, um, to throw that Frank Morris uh, yeah. Easter egg in. I think 2012 was significant to throw the the attack on New York Easter egg in. And uh, the 1994 was significant to the story so that he had, you know, technology that what could make it ten pad but you know it was rudimentary not yet, not and, and difficult there. not quite there it wasn't as easy for him and then t- 2022 i think they're just calling back to um you know the the key points in marvel history in the MCU i think they I, they do stuff like they're writing things purposefully in the show and i think that's what they did
1: well especially talking about you know obi in particular not having quite the you know Cap- not really capabilities, but like just the technology to build the Timpad. You remember when he does show up for Loki, Loki's like, holy cow, you made that so fast. And he's like, I think he says something along like, well, I didn't think 18 months was that fast or something yeah. like that. So that was fun little thing like that. You know, he did have to wait potentially for it to get that technological piece that could get what they were trying to do out of it. Yeah,
0: it was not a simple task for him to do, but I love how they sped that, you know, that happened off screen. Um, But, you know, (laughs) it wasn't like, you know, time fixes all things, you know, time is the most powerful, powerful tool, but um, kind of, you know, we got a lot to talk about, but kind of to wrap up the episode, uh, what's your theory for next week for the finale?
1: Dude, I feel like every time I've been asked, what is the theory going to be? I have no idea. This show has just continued to throw wrenches in all my theories. Um, It's just such a... I've seen a lot of things, you know, of Loki potentially... I I don't know. I I hope this isn't the case. I do feel like he is going to lose the time-slipping power ability. I do feel like by the end of the show, he's not going to be able to control his time-slipping anymore. I hope he is able to control it, because I do like that for that character, Um, especially someone that's starting to figure out that he's a good guy, in a sense. You know, he's not going to really use it for evil. It's not one of those things where like, oh, I hate that this evil guy has this super powerful ability. No, it's Loki. If there's someone that does walk the line between good and evil, Loki is right there, I feel like, at this point in his life. So I do hope he gets to keep the powers. But as far as that goes, I'm not sure. I definitely think we'll see Kang. We're going to see Kang again in one way or another, whether it's Victor Timely or another version of Kang that we haven't got to see. He's definitely going to make an appearance, I feel like. Um, But as far as what I think is going to happen, I really don't know. Um I I it's just all up in the air for me at this point.
0: So I, I do have kind of a dark theory. Um personally. I I think Loki's not gonna make it.
1: Okay, so you think this is this will be his last bit in the MCU?
0: I think that'll be this Loki's last bit in the MCU. Okay. Um I I think that they're gonna have Kang win. Uh and one of the reasons is is in episode one when they're going through, uh, Lokis are destined to lose, you know, they're always destined to lose. Um, and so I, I don't know, uh, if they're going to let him win, even though, you know, he's going to get to rewrite the story. Um, it's what, you know, he's planning to do, but I just don't think he's going to make it out because I don't see how he makes it out and it doesn't end in a place where they can't tell the Kang story, because they got to tell the Kang story. Um, they got to tell the Multiversal War. We got to see what's going down the line. And if Loki is this all-powerful, time-slipping, controlling, you know, time god um, in charge of the TVA initiation and, and breaking it up, you know, he's too powerful to let Kang do that. Um, now I know there's an infinite amount of kings and we have the Kang council um but I just think he's going to lose.
1: I think for Marvel's sake it has to happen cuz King has lost every single time we've seen him so far. He lost in the season 1 of Loki, he lost in Ant-Man and the or yeah, in Quantumania. Um, and if he loses, we kind of see, you could say Victor Timely lost when he ran out there and got eaten up by the radiation. I think as far as Marvel is concerned, if they do want to tell this multiversal war in this saga, he does have to get a win at some point. Because really, if you're you know, not a big Marvel person, you just enjoy watching the shows and stuff like that, you have no reason to fear Kang. He's not won. He's not struck fear in anybody's hearts. He's lost every single time we've seen a version of him on the screen. I do think that he does need to win. I I think it kind of goes back to we talked about Obi and those sticky notes he had. I mentioned the one thing with the sacrifice. I don't know that I would say Loki necessarily loses, more so he sacrifices himself. Um, You know, kind of maybe a Doctor Strange thing where Doctor Strange gives up the time stone because he knows there's only one way of winning. If Loki does have this ability to time slip and go through all these things, maybe that's something he experiences where he realizes, I can't be here if we want the good guys to win. Um, so I, I, that would probably be the more direction I would lean rather than him just straight up losing because Kang is more powerful. I I feel like they would give Loki more of a hero send off rather than just a, a failing send off.
0: Okay. I, uh, I do think, uh, we're going to see Kang with Ravona next episode. Okay. Um, I think that she, she is, you know, she can't just disappear from the show with that like completely loose end with her pruned because we know we know where the end of time is now we know pruning isn't the end we know that there's an option for her to come back um so i think we're either going to see that story ended or we're going to see her leading
1: armies with with kane now do you think we've seen the end of miss minutes
0: um yes i think we've okay. seen them of miss minutes until the creation of miss minutes
1: okay that makes sense i could see something like that
0: so i don't I don't think we're gonna see her in her uh full form knowledge anymore. I think the next time we see her will be him creating her.
1: Do you think do you think it's more of a victor timely kind of creating her or do you think it's a different version of Kang that we see creating her
0: i I don't know. I don't think Victor's gonna create her um okay. because I think he didn't have the time I don't think he had the uh the tools okay. I think he was born at the wrong time so that he that's why why his time stream doesn't doesn't work out for him. um, I think we're going to see more advanced Kang. Uh, do now, it. do
1: you think, you know, He Who Remains at the end of Season 1 kind of seems like he told Miss Minutes and Ravona take this TVA handbook to Victor Timely, kind of like he was handpicked by He Who Remains? Yes. Do you think that holds any weight, or do you think that was maybe a failure on He Who Remains' part of maybe picking the wrong Kang or, you know, something like that? Or do you think that truly is... Going to be a very powerful king in in this saga. I don't. I don't think
0: because we didn't see him last episode. I'm inclined to say that Victor is done, but okay. he served his part. I think what Victor's part was, and he who remain knows this, um, is he wanted Loki to recover the TVA, and he wanted Ravona to get pruned so that he could. Use her to create the war, um, I think. But without without Victor, I don't know everything happens the way it should. Okay. Um, getting them all to the same point, making Loki realize this. I, I, you know, he who remains is still in control. Uh, I feel like. Um, so, you know, we know he he wins the war. Uh, and time is a is a constant stream. This isn't. It's not malleable. Uh, the TVA is lives outside of time somewhere. Uh, they still haven't explained that but yeah um you know he still does it so he creates the TVA so he's still got to do it again I don't know how that happens
1: Do you th- do you think we see that in this ending or do you think we kind of leave that stone unturned at this point
0: I think I think we see it I think we okay. at the end I think the at the end of this we see the start of the TVA um with either Loki doing the sacrifice play like you said um but I think we see Kang uh, starting to to weaponize, uh, to get ready for the multiversal war.
1: I uh, man, I feel like I just feel like no matter what we do, we're in for a really good episode. These guys, yeah, uh, it's gonna it be is, incredible. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. I mean, this is the build up to. I really feel like this whole show should have came out before we got any of this multiversal. You know, we're in that that part of the MCU right now. I, I feel like this show probably should have been wrapped up before we got to any of it because I feel like it would have made everything else up to this point even better. Um, but, man, I feel like we're about – this is really setting up what they wanted to do with the multiverse, and whew, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy.
0: I, I think it's very uh, purposeful that the Marvels comes out the day after the finale. Mm-hmm. So I, I think our our theory on seeing some, uh, some cameos may have been wrong. Uh, I think they have too much to cover um, for the Loki itself to be wasting time on on X Men cameos or or whatever may come. But I do think we're gonna see one of those in the post credits of the Marvels, and I think it's gonna be incredibly important that Loki happen.
1: I could still see I could still see a cameo in a post credit scene of Loki. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we get at least something. I feel like this show is so big that we, it is definitely going to lead directly into the Marvels or directly into potentially Deadpool 3. Um, I definitely see, think at the end of Loki, we will get some sort of cameo from another, you know, character. I don't know who yet. Um, I don't see us not seeing at least something. I definitely feel like the end credit scene will, will have something to show.
0: Okay. I I hope so. I enjoy that. Um, But if we don't get that, I'm okay with that as well. Um, I've been so satisfied with the show just as a collective work. Um, I don't, And I'm so, I'm so bought into the MCU. I don't need any, I don't need any, uh, Hey, this is coming. (laughs) Uh, I'm good with it. So, um, but I think that's, I think that's good. Um, now the big question is last week you made a promise to our listeners. Jacob, did you follow through with your, uh, with your promise?
1: Believe it or not, I did. And let me tell you guys, I, as of filming this episode of the podcast, I watched the entirety of Invincible in the last 24 hours. So <laughs> I, I promised you guys I would do it. And I'm caught up. I watched season two, episode one. I am fully caught up. I watched the entire show in this last 24 hours. Um, daylight, My daylight savings time really came in clutch. Give me an extra hour there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I am caught up. I am caught up, believe it or not. And, you know, we talked about it before. I'm not a, a fan of binge watching shows or anything like that but I, I did it. I did. I did. I completed my promise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, very good. Um, I had to, I had to sneak in the episode, uh, episode one today, actually, um, uh, of, as of finishing this, uh, as of doing this podcast, because, uh, I, I was like, Hey, uh, I talked to my wife and I was like, Hey, um, this show is coming out. I'm gonna be watching it weekly. Uh if you wanna give episode one a a uh, just a, a little you know test to see if you like uh season one, episode one and uh, she watched she watched it with me and actually um like ten or 15 minutes in she actually put her phone completely down and uh completely was watching the show and the show alone which is really big um i loved uh loved to see that she was like buying into the show um and so it was it was definitely something that she said she wanted to watch so um we're actually walking our our way back through uh season one but i was able to sneak away and get uh season two episode one in as well but what did you think what'd you think
1: I love it. Um, obviously, everyone that's probably watched Invincible or is going to listen to this has probably already seen, potentially seen season one. Um, but you yeah, know, just give a spoiler.
0: About, yeah, spoiler this, warning: if you don't want yeah, any Invincible if, news, tune out. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll put the fan questions timestamp in the description. You can skip forward to that.
1: Yeah, if, if you if you if it's something you're on the fence about, like I was, I wasn't really on the fence about it. I was I was gonna watch it. It was just finding time to finally sit down and watch it. Um, but yeah, spoilers. Don't watch anymore if you guys don't want to have it spoiled for you, but I absolutely love the show. Um man, is it it's a wild ride. And they do it in such a way. I don't feel like I've watched a show in the way that this one was written. And that was very impressive to me. Just the whole way that everything unfolds throughout the whole show. I feel like the entire time, season one, you're waiting to find what the motive behind Omni Man killing the um what are they called the guardians of the globe you're you're waiting for that moment the entire show season one and it just keeps getting postponed you feel like but you're not upset by it because of all the other little stories that are being shown throughout it you know you're waiting for mark trying to figure out how to really use his powers and up to this point we still haven't seen it i feel like mark is still always getting destroyed by everybody i'm waiting for him to have his omni-man moment where he just takes over so yeah that you're waiting on the whole show still hasn't happened (laughs) you know you're like when is he finally gonna take over and not get beat to a pulp really all he's done up to this point is just live up to his name you can't kill the dude right so i love that i love the way they did it you know talking about robot you're kind of thinking he's a bad guy throughout the whole season one with him letting the maulers out of prison um and then it turns out nope he's just in love so he just wants to have himself a real body as opposed to that little shriveled up body that he's living in. Um, I love that because that's not a twist I was expecting. Lots of cool things though. Really excited about it. And Season 2 really opened up the gates of Invincible, in my opinion. They are going full into this whole, they're doing a similar thing to Marvel, bringing in multiverses and all that stuff, but I feel like they did it in Season 2, Episode 1 in such a fluent way that I wasn't upset by it, you know, it's kind of just like, oh, it's here, you know, it's kind of always been here, and now you're going to see it unfold in a different way, rather than us having to see it get explained or anything like that, so I'm absolutely loving it.
0: Yeah, it is, it is uh, top, it's definitely, it's probably second animated show for me, um, only behind Avatar, um, but man, is it is it so good, and it, I mean, I assume it's going to go to level one, but we have to see the full character development. Um, before, before I can, I can give it, give it a first place, but man, it is such a good show. Um, like you said, the, the story is just such a good detective story. You're always bought in. You're always wanting to know like, Hey, what's going on? Like you're kind of on the end. You kind of know what's going on, but you don't like, you have no clue. So it's really exciting to kind of see, Hey, why did he do that? Like, what's going on? Like, I, (laughs) Man, and you know, seeing that in episode one and putting that moment, which I mean, absolutely gruesome. Um, it has definitely earned its its MA rating. Um, this oh, is a cartoon oh, but yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt about that.
0: Yeah, if you have small children, um anyone yeah, under no. eighteen, you know, just go ahead and say, Hey, let, let's uh let's skip it. We're gonna watch something else. Uh this yo. is not a show for the the week of stomach.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, talking about that episode one, they started off the show in just a banger fashion, right? Oh, you're, yeah. like, enjoying it. Then this end credit scene hits and you're like, what in the world was that?
0: Yeah, you really get to see full scale just, like, how how crazy they are with it. And and honestly, if you're gonna go with, with Gore to that level, um, this is the the format to do it we don't need to see that type of stuff in, in live action um, if you're going to depict that kind of stuff animated I think it gives it a, a, a break from reality that like okay like it, it's palatable if I saw this in an actual show I, I think I'd stop watching honestly uh, I think it'd be a little much for me
1: Well, this is one thing I always tell people about why I love animated shows so much. I have this conversation with my wife all the time because she does not like animated shows. She can't get into them for whatever reason. You know, and you hear a lot of people say that. What is the the best thing about animated shows? They can do stuff that you just can't do in real life. You know, as good as special effects are and all that stuff, it'll just never quite be what you can show in an animated show because you can't do some of the things they're doing. Um, Budgetary. Yes, it's just it's impossible, really. Um, and you know, talking about gore and stuff, the way to do it, you know, talking about animated. They also did something that I think if you're gonna do it, just commit to it. They committed to it. It's not like here it is here and there. It's in the whole show. So if you're gonna do any of that, just commit to it. Don't you know beat around the bush with it. Don't show it every once in a while so you're kind of getting jump scared by it. Let the people that are watching come to expect it so they're not so upset when they see it. Really like that about the show. Um, but man, what a good show. And I am super excited to talk about season 2 episode 1 with you. Um there's just so much stuff going on and I'm super excited about it.
0: Yeah, and you know, my expertise is in Marvel. Um and I just I don't know the story of Invincible. I haven't read any of the comics. I don't know any of the players um other than what the show has told me. And man, this is such a good intro to it and bringing back the Mahler twins. I love their characters. They're such a too. unique like unique back and forth um, aspect of them. They're they're so fun. Um, they're dynamic between each other. I feel like their play is always so good. They're intelligent brutes um, that also like are just complete narcissists that care about only themselves. Uh, and then bringing in, I don't even know the the villain's name yet. Um, do you? Did they? Did they drop it? Do you know that the, like they dropped the guy it? with
1: the, the big brain?
0: Yeah, big brain boy. Yeah,
1: that's that's Angstrom Levy
0: angstrom levy yes um okay i didn't catch that um you
1: really only see it this is actually one of the i'm not a fan of subtitles i actually do put them on on this show because there is a lot of times where i feel like they're not really talking very loudly or there's so much going on you can't understand so i did turn them on for this and that's one of those things that i noticed was his name um but yeah
0: now angstrom levy is in marvel uh the voice actor now the voice acting for this Ten out, like you don't get better than this voice acting. We have so many great voice actors, but actually, uh, uh, do you know who he plays uh, live action in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, I I love when I hear somebody and I don't know where they're from, so I look them up. Do you know? I do not. I do not. He is Injabu, uh, Killmonger's father in Black Panther. Um, so that, that's pretty cool to, to see him in, in that role. Um, cause I mean, little tiny, tiny side, side character yeah, yeah. in Black Panther, but, uh, it does not get better than JK Simmons.
1: Dude, <laughs> I was literally about to say he is the definition of just his voice acting is incredible. Absolutely love it. And I love Steven Yoon for Mark. I think he does a Aww. really great job too. Um, you know, me being, I'm a huge walking dead fan. Um, so seeing him kind of be... Him and Robert Kirkman must really enjoy each other's company because, you know, he played Glenn in The Walking Dead. So I guess they they must have, f- have a very good friendship to, to continue to be working with each other. Yeah, and and they... Uh,
0: Ross uh, Marquan. Uh, um, his name is... I'm not pronouncing that right. But he was also in The Walking Dead yep, um, yep. as Aaron, um, and he plays Immortal. Yeah. Um, if you didn't know. I, I, did, I
1: didn't put that connection together until you just mentioned it. But yeah, that is really, I love that. I think that's cool that you can see these guys kind of work together. Um, I, I love, I just love this show. It's definitely shot up there on my list. And I just, I'm literally can't wait for this next episode. Now, I did tell you guys, I caught up. I have not watched the Adam Eve special. I don't know if you've seen that special or not. Yeah. No. Okay. That is the last thing. I literally didn't have time to watch it, or I would have caught up on that. I plan on watching that tomorrow night before we get I guess we get the next episode on Thursday as well I believe when these are coming yeah, out they'll
0: drop them Thursday at eight o'clock Eastern Time
1: okay um, so I'm, I'm gonna definitely watch the Adam and Eve special before that because I love that character really really cool character um I don't think there's a character I don't like in the show which is really hard to do I don't
0: but... like Rex I don't like Rex
1: <laughs> I like Rex what his purpose of the show is in the show if he was there or not it wouldn't bother me if he's there if he's not there, um, but I, I I enjoy everybody and you know talking about the way another thing that they did with the writing of this show would I would have loved is really throughout the whole season one I almost kept feeling like you know what maybe Omni Man did do it for a good reason he's yep. he's just he seems sure he loses his temper sometimes but it's very very quickly that he regains it he does not seem to let his temper go crazy he'll punch a wall and then go sit down right yeah. so. You kind of keep thinking, oh, he had to – maybe there's a good reason. Maybe there's a good reason. And until he's literally beating Mark to a pulp, you could you, – I feel like I felt like there was a good reason behind what he did.
0: Yeah, and in his own mind it was, right? Like Exactly. He, like he, he firmly believes in his cause, um, yeah. which I think the best villains do it like – If you put yourself enough in a twisted mind of, A, in their shoes, or, like, if you can see things from their perspective, you know, he's like, you know, my culture is literally the best, you know, we're the best, we're the best uh, culture there is, Uh, our leadership is better, and I understand that, like, hey y'all are weak here but literally there won't be any cancer there won't be anything we'll fix everything if you just let us rule you now that comes at a cost uh, uh safety over uh freedom is a big big thing that people uh some people are willing to sacrifice um now um as as americans that's not really what we we stand for freedom freedom in spite of safety uh kind of yeah. what i think most people would would stand for but um Maybe not today, but um, really kind of cool to see, like, from their perspective, the greatest villains do have, like, redeeming qualities. And even though he is just the worst, um, it was really good to see him throughout the show. Uh, From his perspective, like you said, you are always kind of like, is he really actually bad?
1: And you don't know, like I said, literally till he's beating his son up and just talking trash about the entire world and even his wife or Mark's mom. You're like this guy is I could I I like this guy and you love when he shows up because he's just he destroys everybody. I mean no one even compares. Um so I I love his character as much as I hate to admit it. I I love Omni-Man. He's just cool. He's he, everyone loves a guy that can kind of just get the thing done. Anytime there's a villain or anybody he has to fight, you know he's going to win. Um so it's just really cool to see. Um I love I'm I'm still I talked about it when we first started talking about it. Of Invincible. I'm still waiting for Mark to have his breakout. It's got to be coming. We went a whole season without seeing it a single time. I don't feel like there was a single time. Where we were like. Oh he showed a glimpse of being. The the best superhero in the world. I feel like he was always lackluster. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. To see that. Now one question I have for you. They kind of introduced a new villain. Potentially with Angstrom Levy. He kind of. At first you see him take his helmet off. And he's like, I don't want my new world or my new philosophy to go at the cost of someone dying. To you know, go at the cost of blood, as you see, the Maulers are just absolutely mutilating Mark. Then things change when he gets out of the chair, and he's still alive when the Mauler twin picks up like the rubble and sees him there. They did talk about the Mauler saying like, "Hey, you cannot take this off because you're gonna, you know, lose who you are. You have to wait till yep. the process is 100% complete." I think the reason why he hates Mark now. Is because this version that's kind of controlling him is the version that confronted Mark in the other universe where Mark and Omni-Man are villains, where they agree to take over Earth together. Do you think we are going to see Omni-Man this season, or are they going to put him on the back burner and let this be the first villain that Mark conquers himself?
0: So I do know that... um... I don't think we're gonna see this uh universe's um I guess uh yeah, this this universe's mar- uh oh goodness. Omni Man until um maybe season four or more i think we're gonna have some time for for mark to shine um for him to build his you know we're character building on a scale that is very purposeful it's it's a slow burn and like you said you want him to have his breakout moment but you know um omni-man has been doing it for a millennia um on vultrum and then um you know he had multiple years there on earth where he was doing it um so i like the fact that they didn't skip over his training you know it didn't you know we didn't you know fast forward to this season and he's just you know the best now he is greatly improved um you see that in his first you know he his run in the mill you know he just casually puts out that fire you know mm-hmm. and casually saving those people casually beats up elephant boy um you know, it's it's not really a struggle for him those low low level crimes anymore. Um, so I I do think we're gonna see him get some very big wins. Um, but I don't think we're gonna see Omni Man from our okay. universe this season. We may see another one. Um, now that we're bringing in multiple dimensions.
1: Now I will say I have not watched any of the trailers that we have gotten for season two because I hadn't watched haven't season either. one. Okay, so you haven't either. Two. We're in the same boat. And like Zane is already preferenced, um, we have not read the comics. So if you are someone that's really up-to-date on Invincible and has read the comics, don't. we're, we're going to figure some things out as we go. So if we're completely wrong on some of our things, don't hate us. We're still figuring it out as we go. But I do think I am going to watch a trailer for this season, because I do kind of want a little bit more insight as to what we could be getting, because I do feel like when you intro- introduce something like the multiverses, things can go kind of crazy. Um So I am excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see how far they go into this multiversal stuff. But I I kinda am in the same boat as you. I don't think we see the one the universe that we have been watching all through season one. I don't know that we see Omni Man. I am very curious to see as to where he went because at the end of season one, you see Alan who comes back to Earth to warn Mark about that there's a Viltrumite there. And Mark's like, Yeah, it's my dad. You know, (laughs) you you already (laughs) missed it. it This would have been nice to know. When well, didn't you even hear Mark? He's like, well, you know, even if you would have told me, I would have just gone and told my dad, so it wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. But, you know, he said he made a big, you know, emphasis that they've been watching the Viltrumites for a long time because where Alan works, you know, they're they're trying to figure out ways to overthrow the Viltrumite empire. And they're like, you know, all the time we've been watching them, we've never seen one abandoned post like this. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do with that, because part I of that's season me is, three, yeah, I, probably, um, you know, I just part of me is like, maybe he's going to get backup, but I don't know why he would need backup because he handled everything fairly easily himself there. Um, but I'm very curious because, like I said, we haven't read the comics, so, but I'm just hearing that I'm like, you know, where did he go? Did he go back to Viltrum for a reason? Um did he go somewhere to cool off because he realized he can't kill his son? Is he going to try to get someone else to come there and take care of the deed for him? I don't know, but man, am I excited for this show.
0: I think I think I listened to a breakdown last uh last year when this came out and they said if you thought Omni-Man was tough, wait till you meet so and so. And apparently that is his replacement. So I I do think he goes and gets a replacement. Okay. I don't think okay. he gets back up. I I don't think he's coming back. Um, at least, you know, for a while. I think somebody else may come.
1: I I would love to see, obviously I just like the character, I would love to see some sort of redemption for Omni-Man, maybe him come back and realize yeah. he does need to help his son, he does need to protect Earth, maybe he needs to be the one that stands up against Viltrum, and maybe he kind of comes to a conclusion that what they're doing is wrong, but man, do they not make it seem like that is going to happen at all. Yeah, nah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's is. coming. Um, but I don't do you think Mark,
0: do you think Mark would be willing to forgive him?
1: I, I do personally. I feel like Mark has kind of shown that he still misses his dad. He still wants because even during all that, he's getting absolutely destroyed by his dad, and his dad keeps saying, you know, what are you gonna have in five hundred years when your mom's dead, all your friends are dead? He says, I'd have you still. And that's yeah. kind of what stopped Omni Man from killing Mark. He was like, Oh shoot, and we see that flashback of him. Mark's little league baseball game stuff like that and that's when he's like I can't do this you even see him stop punching he rolls over and he gets mad at Mark for giving him a different point of view it almost is like it's the first time Omni-Man has ever had to think of what he's doing could be wrong now did he think he was wrong still it don't seem like it but it, it seems like it's the first time he's really had to think so I do think Mark would forgive him sure there'll probably be some convincing to do but uh man dude this show i'm i'm so excited to continue to talk about this show cuz it is so good um oh uh, you got me even more excited now for this next episode yeah it's
0: i i really think i i love multiversal stuff um so i'm i i know there's probably some people that are uh not don't love it um they feel like it lowers the quality of stuff i know i know my wife is uh it took her a little minute to get on board with uh, the MCU multiverse um but uh, I love it because it just expands the story so much. You get to see so much more content. Uh, and I'm really excited to see where we go with this one.
1: Well, yeah. it's cool, too, because we kind of see the character, the Immortal. I mean, even if we don't talk about multiversal stuff, he's been back three times now. We saw him at the beginning of the show. He yeah. gets killed by Omni-Man. He comes back. Omni-Man kills him again. And then we see at the end of season one cecil again character we haven't even talked about one of my favorite characters in the show i love cecil Um, yeah he's good very cool character but he shows mark that they have all of the old guardians of the globe's bodies that they're trying to resurrect they're trying to figure out ways to fix them because they're kind of supposed to be unkillable right and the immortal's name is literally immortal so it makes sense that he can come back um but yeah, we if see, they're going to be see, doing that in one world, it almost makes more sense for them to introduce introduce multiverse stuff instead of just bringing back the exact same guy over and over again.
0: Well, so, the one the one from the universe we saw isn't coming back at the beginning of season two. Oh and no, no, he, yeah, Mark he, I think he's pops dark. his head up. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, immortal that. Take care of that one. <laughs> but. um... Uh, so, uh, we do have a bunch of other stuff to get to. This is going to be a little bit a longer episode. Before we get to our top five cars, I do want to just get your quick uh, reaction to the Echo trailer. Um, I know that it came out, we've talked about it a lot, but what? Uh, let's just you know from developmental uh you know nightmare um to Marvel not having any faith in it to uh they're going to scrap it and then they postponed it now they're releasing it all in one day then they drop this trailer what's your take
1: I think it's it couldn't have had a better re- even just fan reaction than what they got because I think we all were a little bit worried about this show <laughs> I think yeah um, you know it's been one of those things that sometimes you're like yeah put it on the back burner let it you know let it sizzle a little bit. This one was like on the back burner for too long and it was burnt. But now we've kind of seen maybe the direction they're going with it. I was super excited to see that it had a TVMA rating. Um, not to say that I think that's a good thing but it just is going to be something that we usually don't get in Marvel, which is a more adult oriented show, which some people like that, some people don't. The thing I like about it is I don't feel like this show is going to have a big impact on the multiverse as a whole, personally. I think this is going to be a very enclosed story. I think it's going to be a very street level crime type story. Um, So I think it's going to be cool to see that and it not having an impact on the multiverse. So if there are kids out there that actually do keep up with it, because we know there's a lot of Marvel kids out there, they won't you know, if their parents don't let them watch it, I don't think they'll be missing anything. I think yeah, this is, is going to be a very enclosed story.
0: Yeah, this is a Marvel Spotlight, their first Spotlight feature, which I'm super excited for. Uh, so this is not Marvel Studios' uh, release. This is a Marvel Spotlight release, which is a new series that they're going to be starting with these lower lower street-level heroes. Um, that's what they're going to release the Daredevil Born Again under. That's what they're going to release um, uh, some other potential uh, little character pieces under, and I think this gives them a lot of freedom to develop some of those, uh, lesser characters in the way that they're supposed to, instead of, you know, making people watch everything, which is what it should be. Watch what you want to watch, you don't have to watch everything.
1: I, I agree, and it. but I do like, like you said, it is a Marvel Spotlight show, so it does give them, they can have a whole story in just this show. If you've never watched Marvel at all, this is a story you can just hop right into and enjoy. Um, I do like that we are still getting shows like Loki that do build on everything, because obviously us diehard fans, we like being in the know abouts of everything that's going on. Um, we like seeing stories continually build, but I'm really excited, like you mentioned, it just being street level crime it's really fun not every character in marvel needs to be someone that can fight in a multiversal war there's going to be a lot of heroes that are just your average hero right just your guy that can save a family from a burning building that's perfectly fine and i think that's really great what they're going to do with this show
0: yeah i was i was thrilled to death about the trailer i thought it was the best trailer we've gotten um it's the first trailer that since infinity war that made me more excited for the show or uh or movie i you know most of my hype level comes when they announce it um and then it kind of just sits there it doesn't go higher it doesn't go lower it's kind of just like i'm just happy with what we're getting uh, i'm excited to watch it um but this one took it from i you know i'm interested i love hawkeye's uh, i think my third favorite mcu film uh or uh tv show and i love the introduction of echo and, and the struggle there with hawkeye um, that was super fun um but uh if you haven't watched it i don't think you have um you know you need to it's a holiday series so it's christmas is coming right around the corner watch hawkeye it's wonderful um but uh yeah so my my Hype level just went through the roof for this one. To see Vincent D'Onofrio back as as Kingpin, exactly how Vincent D'Onofrio is that is that right? Yeah, I believe so. um As Kingpin, you know, one of the best characters from the Daredevil Netflix series. uh Looks like they're gonna do it justice. Looks like they're gonna do it justice, and I'm excited for it.
1: Yeah, this is is. I mean, some of the things I'm already reading. I love the the slogan for the show: "No deed goes unpunished" or "No bad deed goes unpunished." Um, I love that. I think that's really, really fun. Um, I feel like he's going to have that very kind of crime level you know, investigating type stuff going on. Huge fan of Wilson Fisk, so I'm very excited to see him in the show. Um, that character is one of my favorite characters in Marvel as far as villains go. Just a really cool little street crime level guy. Um, I love his motives and things like that, so I'm, I'm very excited for this show. Uh, I think it could be one of the best Marvel shows we've gotten if it gets done the way we're all anticipating it. Yeah,
0: it's not going to top low-key, but... uh, Oh, I don't think so, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, well... uh... Enough of that. We're going to get into our questions today. Um, We prefaced y'all last week with we were going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite things. We're going to rank some stuff and get some questions to know us at the end of each episode. Um, And today we have the question. I I have a few more, um, but the first one that I gave you uh, time to prep for was uh, I want to know your top five favorite car movies. Now, let me specify to the audience. We did talk about what car movies is. Uh, A car movie is not... movie that features a car. Um, A car movie is a movie that specifically has uh, the character's love for cars displayed, Um, it is about the use of cars, or um, it is car centric. Um, So that means like in uh, the heist or whatever, the car was a main important theme of of the movie. Um, so, uh, like movies like Bullet, which you know have one of the greatest car scenes of all time, uh, it's not about the cars. It's not about love for cars, so that one really doesn't count. So, some of your favorite car moment movies may not be on our list, but that's because we don't recommend, we don't consider them car movies. Uh, so, with that disclaimer, Jacob, let's see what you got.
1: Well, before I even start, I already know you're going to hate my list. I already know, without a doubt, you are going to not like my list because when I was putting this together, I was like, you know, which movies have I watched multiple times? Which movies did I actually have fun watching? And oh. I already know. I already know you. You're, I already know what you're <laughs> thinking. And I already know you're going to hate my list. Oh, but man. Do you want to go back and forth? Do you want me to give my number five and then you give your five? Or do you want me to go down my list and talk yeah, about it each in a row?
0: Yeah, that's actually great. Let's do that
1: go back and forth?
0: Yeah, let's go back and forth. Okay. Let's all right. You're start, number 5.
1: I will start with my number 5 and this is I know this movie, I'd be shocked if it's on your list, but the reason is my number 5 on my list. Do I think it's the perfect car movie? No. But when I watched this movie, it was just such a fun thing for me. And number 5 for me is Need for Speed. Right? I already know okay. a lot of people are probably like, "Are you serious? Hear me out on this one." The reason why Need for Speed is my number 5 on my list is because I have been playing video games my as long as I can remember. Some of my earliest memories of video games are playing Need for Speed. I still play Need for Speed games to this day when they come out with a new one because it's just one of those things I just love them. The The unrealisticness of the racing, um, the the crazy ways you can make cars look, all that stuff I love because I think it has just a fun arcade-type style to it. And when this movie came out, I feel like it kind of did that in a realistic way right we don't see cars that are crazy we don't see you know sparks flying out the tires for them to get a boost it's not like a speed racer type racing <laughs> movie but it's actually still has a lot of those fun elements you know racing through the woods at the end of that movie i literally felt like that was ripped straight from one of the games because i remember racing through woods in those games it looked the exact same as i remember the games playing love the casting for it thought it was really fun Obviously it does have one of the coolest cars you can have the, the Mustang in that movie that they feature throughout the whole time is such a cool car. Absolutely love everything about it. Um, you know, it shows some really unrealistic car stunts, which I love when car movies do that. Cause you already know what. another one of my movies that's going to be on my list. And I know you're going to hate it, but this one does similar things to that. Um, yeah. Need for speed is my number five. I just, every time I, I, I watch that movie so many times, I'm just flipping through the channels and it's on just cause it's a fun watch um, it just kind of brings me back to my childhood.
0: So uh, yeah, I don't. I love that pick. I think that's a great car movie. Okay, um, okay. I loved watching it. I really enjoyed it. And actually, I debated putting it on this list. Um, I didn't, um, but it was in. It was in talks. And one of the reasons okay. is the only reason it's not on this list, and um, not a single one of my movies have I watched less than three times. And okay. I have only watched Need for Speed one time. So because oh, okay. of that fact that I've never went back and I've never actively went to rewatch it, uh, it didn't make my list. Um, but the uh, one of the ones I've watched the most didn't as well. That, that's Cars, but that's mainly because I have a toddler. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> uh, number five for me, and you, I think you're going to be shocked at this, but it's uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift.
1: Oh. This- Hey, I don't believe it. I don't believe that's on your list. I'm going to need a screenshot of this list because <laughs> you've talked so much trash about the Fast and Furious franchise. So i I got to know why. I've got to know how it made the cut.
0: So, and it, this one's very specific because um, I, I do, I do enjoy... So I've talked to a bunch of trash about Fast and Furious uh, franchise offline. I think that after <laughs> Paul Walker left, it absolutely just took a dumpster fire, turned down, um, and kind of ruined... You know, it's now a parody of itself, and I hate that because... Episode one, or you know, the first Fast and Furious, really sparked a love for a lot of people in the car scene, um, who yeah. didn't love cars before, but then you know saw the cool side of it. You know, started a little street. Uh, you know, I wanted a Supra as my first car because of the first one, um, and then as I kept growing. Uh, the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, number three, like, for me, that one stood a- apart from the series. It t- it was more about driving relationships. I love the character Han and his RX-8, um, or RX-7. Um, I love the the Mustang at the end. I'm a big Mustang guy. My first car was a Mustang. Uh, I still own a Mustang today. Um, and then drifting was always more fun for me, um because it was something I could do. Um, so, you know, drifting is a very... You know, anyone can drive fast in a straight line, and I think it really shows in this movie. Is like... Uh, You know, driving fast in a straight line is all about the car. The driver's kind of second at that. But uh, to be able to drift um, is really an acquired skill, and that's something I actually started doing when I was 16. Uh, I was going to safe spaces and and trying to learn how to throw my car sideways. Um, I actually had a traumatic experience um, in my my first Mustang. It was raining, um, and I pulled out. I was coming home from work and uh i pulled out onto 460 um out in bluefield uh virginia and as i was turning in my tires were terrible uh i literally just it 360 on me uh and i didn't know how to control it um and i went off the road and luckily the lord gave me uh protection and i didn't hit anything my car was fine um but you know that scared me enough to say hey if I'm going to drive a car like this, I need to know how to control it in every circumstance. Um, you know, I wasn't being stupid in that moment, but because I hadn't done it, uh, so I actually went and like to some parking lots and, and learned how to, Control it under other circumstances, so that never happened to me again. I also bought new tires, which helped a lot. But um, you know, so so Tokyo Drift. Just I watched that alone in my room, probably seventeen times in high school, easily. Uh, every time it was on, I was watching it. I watched that one the most out of any of the Fast and Furious movies. I think if I was go back and watch one, it's really hard. The lead actor is just terrible, but um, you know. He he's you know, it's it's a lovable enough story to watch. Uh fish out of water story and then the, the aspect of one of my favorite things to do in cars is drift and road track race. Um so to kind of put those two together, um, that's why this one made my list.
1: I, I love I love the Fast and Furious movies. You got I, I go a little spoiler, I obviously have one on my list. I love that franchise. Um but yeah, Tokyo Drift is like a cult classic, right? It's such a good yeah. movie is so fun. It, it's one of the few Fast and Furious movies that could be by itself. I mean, I guess all of them could be their own story, really. But that one really is its own story. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's Sans really completely cool. Alone. And you know, it's funny to me, you talk about not having Paul Walker. You picked the one movie that didn't have Paul Walker in it. So... <laughs>
0: Well, you know, um, it, it's just special to me, uh, and I, I do, I, I almost put the first one on here. I had it in debate too, um, because that one is special to uh, the car culture more so than than Tokyo Drift is. Um, but this one's more special to me, and it's my list, so I get to choose. Yeah, so. no,
1: it's, I, I, I can't complain about that movie. Um, I love it. But number right, four number four, for me, number four for me is a movie. I, there's a couple reasons why I picked this one and I went back and forth on even putting it on my list. And you're, you're probably wondering how I barely put it on my list and it was even number four above my number five, but it is the Italian job. And I, the just, I've watched this movie so many times. The cast is phenomenal. I mean, got a lot of big names in it. we got people like Mark Wahlberg's in it. Charlize Theron is in it. Jason Statham's in it. Edward Norton, Donald Sutherland. I mean, just that cast is crazy, right? Um, Really good acting. I love the story behind it. And a car like the Mini Cooper, which most people don't really consider the most, you know, sportastic car out there, you know. I love that it does have its own little spotlight in this movie, um, just the way it's used. And it's this small little nimble car. They use it in some fun ways. Love the movie. I love the story behind it. Obviously, you're kind of your classic getting revenge story with... Um, After they've you know stolen all the gold bars, I love the action scenes in it with them stealing the gold bars. I love the setting of it being in Italy and then to LA and all that stuff. I just I think it's really great. I love this movie. I just something about it. It's one of those movies I just have so much fun every time I watch it. So that is why I had to put the Italian Job at number four.
0: Okay, I love it. Uh, Italian Job is absolutely wonderful. Um, we did make the exception for Heist, including Cars, yep. just so this movie could particularly make it. Um, it. You know, a lot of people may say, hey, that's not a car movie. Um, but like you said, I, I think it fits enough, enough the the movie, um, and it is such a good... Now, you are talking about the remake, right? Not the original. Yes,
1: yes, the 2000... I'm talking about the 2000... I think it's 3 movie, not the original one. Okay, I prefer just to, the, yeah. for clarification, yeah. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and that cast is phenomenal. That's an amazing movie. I think I've probably watched that movie uh, five or six times. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of similar to uh, Fast and Furious whenever uh, Italian Java's on FX, you know, I was always watching it, and, and that's kind of uh, one of the beauties of not uh, that we kind of miss from uh uh tv now that we're streaming is that you don't just have those random um random movies on anymore like you used to um so that that's kind of a sad one but um really good um now I did have now number four for me. I know some people will probably call it a, a little blasphemous to have it as a car movie. However, I just adore the comedy uh, genre. It's if I'm ever going to have a fun time, I love putting on a comedy movie, and this has two of my this has my second favorite duo in comedy lead, and that is Talladega Nights: The Ballad of Ricky <laughs> Bobby. <laughs>
1: I cannot believe this movie is in your top five, but I respect it. I respect it.
0: I've watched this movie so many times. It's I've quoted it all the time. Will Ferrell is one of my favorite uh, uh, comedy, um, uh, comedic actors. Um, I don't think anyone does it better than him for, for com- comedy and John C. Reilly. Um, uh, Mark Wahlberg is my only... Uh, the only duo I think that's better with Will Ferrell. I think Mark Ballberg and Will Ferrell have better chemistry, but John C. Riley uh, is just absolutely hilarious. This movie is absolutely hilarious. It's about racing, um, and it is absolutely stupid. You may not say it's a car movie, it's just a comedy, but man, I just absolutely love this film. It's hilarious. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is an idiot, and it's hilarious. Um, but. I I just, I laugh every time I watch it, and I watched it a ton of times. Um, And my top three are kind of, you know, holy grails. For me, and I had a lot of play for my fours and fives. Uh, I almost put Baby Driver here because I really love that movie, um, and I I love the soundtrack of that movie. But I just don't think it's enough of a car movie to make this list. Uh, So uh, Ricky Bobby, Ricky Bobby, uh, took (laughs) took the uh, the fourth (laughs) spot, and I I I feel funny saying it because it is like you know. I just think of my dad listening to this list, and you know he's he's you know like rolling over like he just turned the. Cast off yeah. um but uh it is it's here and and i said it so there it is
1: <laughs> uh, i respect that one because that's oh that's such, it's such a great movie but man if that is funny that i did not expect that one to be on your list because we talked a little bit about car movies and stuff um you know off the podcast and just the way you were talking there ain't no way i thought that was gonna make the cut so oh, i'm man. so happy that that would have made your cut that is a great pick
0: all right number three for you
1: Number three for me, we're getting to my Fast and Furious movie, and it's not one that I feel like most people expect, but I personally think it's my favorite one. It's not one, it's not Tokyo Drift. It is Fast Five. I oh. love Fast Five. I love the setting of it. I love, I just something about that movie. I've watched that. That has definitely been the movie I've watched the most out of the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, just such. I fun think that's stuff
0: arguably the best one. I, yeah, I it's
1: a really, it's really good, and I feel like it does lack. As far as what cars are in it, I don't feel like the cars are quite as cool as the other movies. Personally, um, I'm a big GTR guy. There's not even a, a R34 GTR in that movie. Um, you know, it's it's a different type of car movie because of the cars that they had in it. But I really love the cars still that they put in it. Um, just a super super fun movie. Um, it was finally a first time we really saw a big group like that get together to pull off a big heist. Um, I really it was liked kind of
0: it. it's like when they first started dipping their toe into insanity um, but didn't full go full parody um you know pulling pulling the vault at the end of that movie you know absolutely yep. <laughs> ludicrous um, that was their first testing the waters hey can we do absolutely the stupidest things and people still watch our car movies um, but i I do love fast five and it, I do still consider that in the golden era of uh, of Fast and Furious films before seven. Um, so uh, yeah, that's I just, a good pick. I, I, yeah, I have I just, no issue with that. Uh, it's not my number three, but uh, I'm, I'm happy that if you're going to put one on it, it's going to be uh, one, three, or five.
1: Yeah, oh, 100%. It's it's definitely one. Those are the three best Fast and Furious movies. Not to say I don't like the other ones, but yeah, those are, those are definitely the best three they've ever made.
0: All right. Uh, Number three for me, uh, I'm hoping to get some redemption back for the car people, but it's uh, the remake of Gone in 60 Seconds with Nick Cage and Angelina Jolie. Uh, This one is a classic of my childhood. Um, One of my uh, absolute all-time favorite car movies. Um, The brother relationships in it are amazing. The cars are magnificent. Uh, You know... um, Man, the unicorn, the GT500, absolutely gorgeous. Uh Eleanor has paved the way for many and you know, the dream car of so many uh grown adults in their life wanting an Eleanor. Really one of the reasons those cars are so expensive today.
1: Um uh, and crazy just to
0: think about. Uh, the, you know so such a good movie it's got so much heart behind it an amazing cast that that you know nick cage gets too much hate uh today uh parodies but he's a great actor um and it's just such a good film um i love it i watched it i can't i pro, i can't put a realistic number on it uh but you know, my my dad loves this film. It's absolutely amazing. It's got beautiful cars in it. It's got a great chase scene. Seeing him outrun that helicopter was one of the coolest things. I always loved it. Um, just such an awesome movie. So, Gone in 60 Seconds takes my my third pick.
1: I love that pick, and I agree. I, I, talking about Nicholas Cage, I love the National Treasure movies. I think those are great. I think he's a great oh, yeah. actor um yeah gone in 60 seconds so good it you talked about it a little bit it really is one of the reasons i think those cars are worth as much as they are not only is it an extremely rare car and an extremely beautiful car that movie has definitely had an impact i mean we call that car the eleanor now because of the movie yeah. i mean that that's a crazy cultural impact that a movie had um so I i love that pick um moving on to my number two you mentioned cars earlier. Well, guess what? Number two is cars for me because I oh,
0: man. love
1: cars. And it's crazy. People are probably rolling their eyes. Number two, yes, number two. I I've watched that movie more than any movie on this list. Without a doubt. I still watch it to this day because I think it is literally so good. I love all of it about it. I love the setting of radiator springs. Like if I could live in a world like just a make-believe world, there would be a radiator springs in my make-believe world because I love that little town. I love everything about that movie. You talk about movie soundtracks. It's got a really fun soundtrack. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love it as a highway. Yes, dude. I mean, that's, that's like, come on, man. You can't watch that. You can't hear that song and not think of cars anymore. I mean, that is just, it's great. So number two for me is cars. I love that movie.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's fantastic. Uh, I almost put that on my list. Um, at, at number five, uh, pushing, uh, Actually I, if I put that on my list, Taladegan Knights would fall off, cars would be five and Fast and Furious would be four. Um, but I didn't just because um I feel like I feel like the um the focus on that isn't just because they are cars. Um, it's more oh, about. Come the, on, they're yeah. racing!
1: Nah, this this <laughs> is a like car movie. No, he, no, no, he no, He's racing no, no. in the no. piston cup. He it's, learns how to drift from the he horse. He does. Doc Hudson. He does. He does. That that is. He learns how to drive backwards, and he doesn't even have mirrors. I love it. I love it.
0: <laughs> it is. It is a great film. I, I. you know, since Since Charlie's been watching animated films, I've probably watched it over a hundred times, um, <laughs> just because, you know, we, we do like to switch it up. Um, but, uh, he, yeah, Cars is absolutely great. That's a wonderful pick. Now, I will say my pick is significantly better. Um, <laughs> oh, no, here we go. Um, my pick is Rush, uh, the movie Rush with, uh. Liam H- or Chris Hemsworth and Daniel Brühl as the leads with Olivia Wilde as supporting actress. Uh, the movie about Nicky Lauda and James Hunt's epic battle in the F1 series. Um, absolutely fantastic uh, biopic film and the 1970s rivalry. It is amazing. Now, the only reason. This is not number one, is because it is not as family friendly as of a movie as I would like. Um, I can't just watch this anytime. There is some some uh, it is rated R, um, and I I do wish that this movie cut some of that out of it. But it is just such a good film. It's great shot, great acted. Um, cars are at the forefront. We get to see the racing experience, the danger, the uh, the raw emotion. In the racing scene, we get to see uh, just how good of a film it is. Uh, and really, this is Chris Hemsworth's like, breakout film um, without Marvel. Um, I feel like this is probably his absolute best film um, outside of the Marvel Universe, and, and potentially in. Um, just Rush is an all-time great movie, and I love it so much. I could watch now this anytime.
1: That's a movie I haven't seen. So it might, may have made my list. That's a movie you've recommended to me quite a few times now. So it's definitely on my list to watch eventually. Um, I, I I think a lot of people... I was never a fan of F1 until the Netflix series Drive to Survive came out. I okay. love that series. Um, so I'm sure I would like the Formula One aspect of this movie a lot. Because that, sh- that show in general has made me a fan of it. Now, I don't watch the races because it's... They're, at the craziest times because they race all over the world, but I do keep up with who wins and, you know, where the standings are and all that stuff. So I, it's definitely a movie to get to at some point on my list.
0: Yeah, you got to watch it. And if anyone hasn't watched it, I, I do give the warning. Um, I can't recommend this to everyone because it, it does Like, make sure you look up why it's rated, what it's rated for. But uh, it's definitely a, a number two for me.
1: So moving on to my number one and I expect this movie to be one or two on your list I really do because I think it's probably probably is if you're talking about car movies it's probably in my opinion it is the best car movie ever made and that is Ford versus Ferrari I you know as soon as I heard this movie is coming out saw the trailer for it I was absolutely stoked for it love everything about it the Ford GT is one of those unicorns of a car that I will always always wish to be able to own um, or even just drive. And it's one of those cars you just hope to even be able to see in person one day. It's it's that cool of a car. It's that rare of a car. Um, I love the movie. I love everything about it. Couldn't have picked better actors for the roles. Um, man, I, I I would be shocked if that movie is not in your top two. But I'm excited to see where you where if you do rank it there because I just think it is the pinnacle of car movies.
0: Oh, absolutely! It is number one for me. Ford versus Ferrari. Um, I, I do agree with everything you said. It is the pinnacle of car movies. It is absolutely the best. The emotion the um, the heart behind it, the accurate depiction of the story, um, getting to see uh, the tragedy of, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but Ken Miles losing because he was he was a nice guy uh, and finally gave way to what they wanted, um, didn't get the rewards that he should have gotten, the accolades for the amazing driver that he was. Um, seeing Ke- Carol Shelby's put in it, you know, Carol Shelby created the best cars from Ford um, and getting to see you know his hand in in this whole story uh and getting to see the history behind it and uh, there was nothing better than si- you know I went to the theater with my f- father to watch this and getting to see uh see that uh small block ford light up on the screen and <laughs> you know hearing that surround sound that just not much more of a beautiful sound than than that in the theater uh and I just everything about it was great um and I don't think uh, Ken Miles such a wholesome good dude. Um, seeing his family aspect of it and what he's willing to do, and that that uh, that ability to drive. Um, when they put when uh, Carol Shelby throws uh, Ford Junior. Uh, or the second in the uh, in the car and takes him for a drive and you know scares the mess out of him and he's in tears saying how much his dad would love that that car. I just think of the history. Uh, cars is such a big Aspect of my family. Um, my grandfather, uh, worked on, he was, a. Uh, he worked in a body shop. He was amazing with paint. His dad was a mechanic before him. Um, my grandfather would come home from street racing and say he lost and his father would say, all right, well, let's do this to make sure you don't win. You don't lose next time. Let's, let's let you win. Um, so hearing the stories of him and his shoebox Fords and just everything that came up. And I'm a Ford guy, uh, as I said earlier, with my Mustangs. And so this movie, just the epitome of what cars mean to me um, and just done in the absolute best way.
1: Yeah, it, it's just such, I mean, it literally the best. I, I love it. I've seen it so many times now. I've watched it over and over again. Um, it's one of those movies you can, look, you just look up clips on YouTube just to see the cars. Um, because they're that cool. Um, yeah, dude, Ford versus Ferrari. It's it's just special. It's such a special movie. Man,
0: a great list. Um, I love that Cars is in your number two. <laughs> I love that you didn't fumble the bag and you did put Ford versus Ferrari at the at number one spot. Yep, yep. Um, it is uh it is just a movie that you can put on a watch with anyone at any time. Recommend to anybody, and it is just. I, I have it rated as a 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, it,
1: it is good. It is so good. So,
0: uh, 8.1 on IMDb, which means, you know, with 442,000 reviews, that's a very highly rated film, and and rightfully so.
1: Oh, and, and to a person, like, we we both love cars. It, it's, it's a higher than an 8.1. You know, you gotta think of how many people watch that movie and just rate it based on, like, you know, acting or anything like that. But if you're a car person, it's it's a 10 out of 10, because it just acting is incredible the cars are awesome it's racing it's just what cars are all about you talked about the heritage and all that stuff but yeah such a good movie such a good movie. and
0: i mean it did win two oscars so yep best achievement in sound editing and in film editing um should have won picture of the year but you know whatever
1: (laughs) we don't talk about that
0: (laughs) yeah it is what it is
1: can't win them all but yeah, uh great list yeah i loved your list um i love that you had talladega on there such a oh that's fun (laughs) That was a great question. Uh, I didn't expect, Um, you
0: probably didn't expect that. Um, I did have some more questions for you, um, but you know what? We're an hour and 33 minutes into this podcast, so we're just going to let those slide. We'll talk about them another time. Jacob, you got the podcast hosting for next week. So I'm sure you'll send out some good questions for me to prepare for or or let me uh, shoot from the hip next week. Uh, either way is fine. Um, I'm glad that we were able to do this and get this out on time. Uh, guys, thanks this was a long one. But we had a bunch to talk about. I had a great time. Uh, I have absolutely loved this, uh, doing this podcast with Jacob uh, and getting to uh, just talk and experience some of our passions about the entertainment and the things that we're doing outside of our normal everyday lives. Um, and hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. We haven't got any fan questions or anything um, for the last two episodes, but if you do have those, uh, we do have our Twitter uh, or x handles in the uh, description and then also if you know us personally you can always text us or call us uh, with questions uh, obviously we love talking about this stuff and we'd love to be able to, to answer anything that y'all have because if you have a question someone else does too um, so it's always fun to, to be able to uh, talk about those on the podcast Jacob close us out
1: yeah, I had a great time, guys. As always, if you guys do enjoy the podcast, don't forget to rate us. Um, we love seeing some things like that. Again, go ahead and send us questions or anything like that. We love it. it. gives us some more stuff to talk about as if we didn't have enough to talk about. I feel like we try to make this an hour-long episode, and we are constantly finding way more to talk about. So maybe you guys could help us stay under our hour mark if you give us some good questions. But yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of The Weekly Fix. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week.